You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. On today's show, we uh, will join a game in progress, mid-sim. We'll uh, talk about what's gone on so far in the game, and we'll finish this one off. I thought it was appropriate to kind of do this for the first sim Carlos Carrasco start of the season. Uh, in addition, this is the greatest seasons, so I figured we'd have to look at uh, the uh, one of the greatest seasons in Indians history, arguably the greatest season in Indians history, even if it did not end in a championship. And I'm sure most of you by now can probably already guess we're talking about the 54 Indians. I'm not going to bury the lead there. So as I was mentioning, when did this game in progress? This is Sunday's game, so if you're listening, it is Indians at the Detroit Tigers, Carlos Carrasco. Daniel Norris on the other side. Uh, the Indians got up, up on the board early thanks to a Fran Mill Reyes double. He would uh, score two runs in that. He would later hit a, his first home run of the year in the fifth, getting another two across, a four RBI day for him so far through five. Uh, both Santana and Reyes have two hits in this one. Uh, one walk to Roberto Perez, who also has a hit. Uh, everybody's got a hit for the Indians. They have 11 hits. They have seven runs, three runs for the Tigers, five hits, and an error. Daniel Norris was chased from the game in the fourth inning, having given up all seven runs. Uh, Carrasco was really cruising along till the fifth, and he was at about 64 pitches and had a, a single and a single, and then Victor Reyes took him deep to give that third run. So that kind of lets you know where the Indians are as we start the sixth inning with uh, John Schreiber against Oscar Mercado. Indians with a four-run lead so far in the day. Mercado is one for three with a strikeout. He scored one of the early runs, and that gives it a nice charge to center, but not enough. That's going to be a fly out. Jose Ramirez is in. And that one looks to be gone. We'll see if it clears the deepest part of the park here. It is a home run for Jose Ramirez. Dead center, 495 feet. He got all of that one. Carlos Santana is having a spectacular day. Uh, Comes up, and that looks like it could be extra bases. Down the left field line, a double for him. Uh, That middle of the order has been strikeout for Fran Mil Reyes. Domingo Santana up. Also strikes out to end the inning. The Indians get one back. It is now 8-3. to three. Carlos Carrasco, first start of the year, 74 pitches so far through five innings. We'll see what he can do here in the sixth against Jonathan. I always get his name is not Shoop, but uh, I always want to say Shoop. But it doesn't matter because he lines out. CJ Cron is the next batter. He is up there, and he will strike out. For Santana, that is his 10th strikeout of the day. Uh, Travis Demeter is up. He has been an Indians killer so far this year in the games played. This has a chance, but nope. Catch is made in right field by Leplo. They go in order after uh, Santana had given up. Santana after Carrasco had given up some runs in the uh, fifth frame. He comes back in the sixth with ease. Jordan Leplo up. The right-hander this year has struggled against righties. Schreiber is still on the mound, and it is a ground out. Roberto Perez next up to the plate. That's going to be an infield fly pop up to the shortstop for Roberto Perez. First pitch got under it. Nice long at bat for Cesar Hernandez, who earns a walk, just the Indian second walk of the game. Francisco Lindor is coming to the plate. Schreiber's now pitched two and two thirds innings, uh, 36 pitches. He has to be getting tired 
the game just put the little tired screen up and Francisco Lindor made the Tigers pay for leaving in Schreiber. That is a two-run home run, 455 feet to right center field uh, for Lindor. That is the Indians' third home run of the game. And Oscar Mercado, Schreiber is still in there, gets a single to right, and that is what finally chases Schreiber from the game. Uh, for Jose Ramirez, it is his second home run of the year. Same for Lindor. Uh, Ramirez and Framel each have a pair of extra base hits in this one. Let's get back to the action. New pitcher Jordan Zimmerman is in, uh, the right-hander with the big contract. Jose Ramirez is up to bat after the Mercado single. Will that drop? It will drop for Ramirez. Runners at the corners for the Indians. Two outs. Carlos Santana coming to the plate. Santana rips a... I think that's going to drop for a single. Yep, one run scores. Runners at first and second as Santana knocks in another run in this one. Fran Mill Reyes is now up. We will see. That could be a double... Well, there's two outs, so there's no double play, but that's the end of the inning. It would have been a double play ball. Uh, 82 pitches for Carrasco, so throw up far through six. So we're going to... And he plunks Austin Romine uh, to lead off the inning. We'll see what happens here with Nico Goodrum. I think... Uh, ooh, a double. We'll... Uh, Indians have an eight-run lead. Just going to get some of that rust off of Carrasco. Let him build up some innings. Ground out to Jorge Bonificio. Victor Reyes hit the big home run last time up. So at this point, Reyes is their nine-hitter. One for two. He's a switch hitter. We are going to... Oh, boy. Do I trust this bullpen at all? Uh, no, but we are going to go to the pen. First base is open. We're going to bring in James Karinchok. Uh control issues for him sometimes but he gets the strikeout to Reyes see if he can get the Indians out of this one strikeout for Mabin ends the inning Domingo Santana to the plate strikeout Jordan Luplo strikeout Roberto Perez strikeout uh, the side that is uh, the last five hitters have all struck out in this game and Candelario will get a pop-up to the pitcher Scope, that's it, it's Scope, that's how you pronounce his name, is going to pop up to Francisco Lindor. And here comes CJ Cron to the plate. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, so I'm watching the game action uh, in terms of what happens and not reading the text, since this is mostly a text-based game. Uh, there was an error by Roberto Perez and an error by Francisco Lindor, which allowed both runners to reach base. Luckily, uh, a double play for Cron. So now we have two out, a uh, runner at third, both routine plays with those errors. Karen Chalk then walks Romine, 25 pitches so far. We're going to let him face, I'm sorry, he walked Demeter, Romine just a single. Uh, it is a 11-4 game. And Nico Goodrum is going to knock in another run. We're going to say that's all she wrote for Nick Wetgren in this one. And you can see we'll go to Adam Simber, who has yet to give up a run this year. Um, for what is a pen that has been struggling. None of those runs are earned because of all of the errors by the Indians infield. Simber comes in, gets the ground ball, would have been a double play ball. We move to the ninth. Cesar Hernandez to the plate. He is one for three today. And that's going to be a ground out to the third baseman. Francisco Lindor, two for five with the home run. He is going to fly out to right field. Oscar Mercado, two for five in this one. 
He's going to ground out to the second baseman. And that ends the Indians' ninth. It is, uh, we'll leave Simber in there for now. Uh, the Indians have a six-run lead in the ninth. We can always go to other arms as needed. Victor Reyes leading off the inning. And that is a fly out for Simber. Uh, Cameron Mabin is up, and Simber gets the strikeout. Switch hitter Candelario will hit from the left side. That could be the end of the game. It looks like it's going to be a fly out to center to end it for Simber. Uh... Still yet to give up a run for the Indians. The Indians do end up winning this one, and we have a trade offer. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer us Alex Wood for Nolan Jones and Tyler Freeman. I'm going to politely say no thanks. Uh, the Astros have almost, after every single game, tried to offer um, Robert Robert Asuna for uh, Jordan Luplo, and I've been uh, I have no interest in adding that uh, personality. So the Indians, eleven to five win. That gets them back to 500 after that uh, rough go there. Winning pitcher is Carlos Carrasco. It took uh, two hours and 54 minutes, 24,000 in attendance, 57 degrees. Uh, errors by Lindor and Roberto Perez. Multi-hit games by Lindor, Mercado, Ramirez, Santana, and Reyes. Uh, Perez and Hernandez each had a hit and a walk, so they reached base multiple times. The only player who did not reach base multiple times for the Indians was Domingo Santana. 11 runs on 17 hits and two errors. Uh, that was a nice one after some struggles. In terms of the bullpen, uh, Carrasco ends up going six and a third, six hits, three runs, all earned, one walk, 10 strikeouts. 89 pitches. Uh, James Karinchak, one and one-third of an inning. He gave up two runs, unarmed because of those errors. Struck out two, walk one, allowed two hits. Adam Simber, one and one-third of an inning. One strikeout, no base runners for him, and he still has a perfect ERA. Lowest, um, I think the lowest rating in our bullpen, but has the best record on the team uh, in terms of performance. Before we go to the break, we'll just quickly go team leaders. Please sack an ERA, Saval, uh, is tied with many people with one win at this point. Save Brad Hand. Uh, Jose Ramirez leads the team hitting over 400, and Carlos Santana's four home runs still lead the Indians at this point. We'll see how things continue to go into April, and we'll have the Tuesday and Wednesday games to talk about when we uh, we return on Wednesday. But a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to talk about the greatest team, at least record-wise, winning percentage-wise, in Cleveland Indians history. So the 1954 Indians, uh, it's almost after listening to like the greatest of all time. Um, you know, we still haven't gotten to the pitchers on that. I realize we're talking about the all time great Indians and the guys who were runners up or had high end seasons and all of that. It's a who's who of this 1954 Indians. Now, if you're not familiar with the 1954 Indians, they are a team that for a long time held the record for most wins in a season by kind of a uh, a modern baseball team. You know, the 1906 Cubs did have 116 wins, but, you know, there is that idea of modern being after, you know, maybe the, about the late 40s, I think, maybe even earlier than that. But those teams in the 1800s and early 1900s aren't, don't quite um, measure up. It was a different, different type of uh, league. Uh, in terms of all time winning percentage, the 06 Cubs, the 02 Pirates, the 1886 White Stockings, and the 09 Pirates are the only ones who had a better winning percentage. The Seattle Mariners of 2001 and the Yankees of 98 both beat the Indians for total wins, 
but they played eight more games than the 54 Indians to get there. The 54 Indians um, have a 721 winning percentage as opposed to the Mariners who currently have the all-time uh, win record who are at 716. So to say all of that, the problem with the 54 Indians right away is I, it was an absolutely loaded team. Um, there were a few positions that could have gotten better. They made a very smart in-season trade. Uh, you go to the world. Should we go to the? Should we talk about the lineup? Go to the world. Let's let's talk about the lineup for this team. So Jim Hegan, a catcher. Uh, we talked about him briefly on the all-time great catchers. You know, just a, the catching position was a different thing then, and he did his job. They trade for Vic Wirtz mid-season, uh, trading away. A, uh, a one of their lesser pitchers, a guy who does not go on to do much for them. I'm trying to get it to load right now. Unfortunately, I'm having some struggle goals with that. So we'll get back to Vic Wirtz. Bobby Avila, who we talked about in that all-time second base, is the second greatest second baseman in team history. Al Rosen, uh, not his like monster year at third base, but still one of a, his phenomenal seasons at third base. Larry Doby, uh, excelling in center. Al Smith is 26 and about to enter his prime. The next year he'd finish third in the MVP. Uh, still waiting. There we go. So Vic Wirtz comes over. He makes the all-star team that year. Uh, he had been just as good the year before and had been such a solid hitter really for his career. It's kind of interesting to go and uh, look at his stats for his career. Only a four-time all-star, but uh, better than probably he was ever given credit for at the time. Uh, Bob Chocles. Chakles? Doesn't matter. The Indians made a very smart trade. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. Vic Wirtz comes a kind of a central piece in the, the center of that 54 Indians team. That trade is completed um, where am I? Uh, in June 1st of 54. The, the Indians added some guys uh, in that offseason, uh, some names of note. Uh, kind of interesting more in terms of like that was before they signed uh, Mudcat Grant that offseason as an amateur free agent. This was before the draft. Uh, he would go on to be a you know really solid player for the Indians for a lot of years. Uh, they would go out and I mean, probably the biggest name as a free agent signing was Hal Newhauser, who had been a multi-time MVP for the Detroit Tigers. This Indians team was so loaded with pitching that he wasn't even their first reliever out of the pen. Should we t- let's just go into the pitching staff? Um the most starts that year went to early win. He was 34 years old and a 135 ERA plus, a 318 FIP. Mike Garcia had the next highest amount of starts. Um, and when you look at things like FIP and ERA plus, he was probably the Indians' best pitcher that year. Uh, it's interesting because he is definitely one of the lesser known names amongst the Indians' pitching staff of that season, but his performance was. Um, was the top of, of anyone when you kind of look at some of those predictor stats. He's just an interesting pitcher. I mean, when you look at Mike Garcia, uh, from made his debut in 48, he was with the Indians through 59, uh, three-time All-Star, twice led the league in ERA. In terms of FIP, he four times led the league in that. I mean, he the year he finished fourth in Rookie of the Year, uh, he led the league in ERA plus FIP, strikeouts-to-walk ratio, uh, he, he and he was fourth in the ERA, twenty game starter, twenty one game reliever. Uh, but he—it's more the fact the era he played in, the guys he played with, that he played with early win Bob Lemon and Bob Feller on that team. Uh, the other starter was Art uh, Houderman, which I probably butchered. 
for these guys, it's like Wynn was 34, Lemon was 33, Fellow was 35, Garcia was 30, uh, Houdeman was was the young buck for the Indians at uh, 26 years of age. I mentioned the addition of uh, Hal Newhauser as a, a free agent. Uh, he was 33 years of age. That year, in uh, he started one game, appeared in 26, 2.51 ERA, a 187, or I'm sorry, a 148 ERA plus, a 3.32 FIP. But uh, just in terms of total games, the Ray uh, Narleski, 42 games, 2.2 ERA, 3.95 FIP, 166 ERA plus. Don Mossy uh, pitched in more games than Newhauser. I mean, Bob Feller only pitched 19 games. He was 35, and he was still quite good. This team was just loaded in terms of its pitching staff. Uh, I talked about the main parts of the offense. George Strickland at shortstop was a definite weakness, as was Dave Philly, the right fielder. Wally Westgate, um, who had the most played appearances of anyone off the bench, was actually pretty effective for them in a limited role, uh, but he was a left fielder. I don't know how much time he got, but let's, with what's time is left, you know, we this is a team that blew, blew through the AL um, on their way to obviously what they did. So let's talk about the 54 World Series. Um, so the the first game in this one is uh, at, at Polo Grounds. The Indians set that record. They do not get the home game in it. Um, Let's just go into the the results of this one. It's it's about as unfortunate as you can come for a game one, and it feels like in a lot of ways the gut punch of it probably set the uh, everything up for the rest of the series. And of course, you know this is the catch. Uh, the Indians get on the board in the first. Uh, Giants come back in the third. The Indians have a good chance. Um, it's the eighth inning. Doby and Al Rosen both single. Wirtz has a deep drive to center field. Mays makes the catch. Uh, if he does not, maybe both runs score. Who knows what happens for the Indians in this one. Bob Lemon is still pitching in the 10th inning for the Indians, uh, and that's when he loses. Uh, the Giants have two on base, and uh, they have Monte Irvin come in, who hits a walk-off home run for the Giants. Yes, they had a amazing, amazing bullpen, and uh, they had their starter still pitching in the 10th different era for sure game two indians bats just don't come together the indians jump out again in the first uh thanks to an al smith solo home run but giants put three across and for the indians it's a 3-1 loss that's never as close as it feels game three uh finally in cleveland the crowd of seventy-one thousand five hundred fifty-five. back when they're playing at the old stadium uh, hoping to root their team on, hoping to see something happen. The Indians are able to get two runs, one on a Vic Wirtz solo shot, but again, the offense is just being shut down by a very good giant staff, and it's a 6-2 to loss by the Indians. Now, if you're keeping track at home, uh, two runs in the first game, one in the, fir- in the second game, and two in the third game, so they've scored five runs. You combine all of those, they still lose game three, 6-5 instead of 6-2. to two. Um, there were some errors, some defensive issues in Game 3 uh, that also kind of sunk them. Game 4, uh, the Indians drop. Bob Levin comes out to start, and he gets uh, beaten down. Indians are down 7 nothing uh, by the fifth inning. They do come back to get four across, but that's it for them in this one. They 
might have set that record, but they could not get the win. They couldn't win a single game in the World Series that year. I mean, who knows what happens if the catch doesn't happen. Uh, Maybe that shakes things up a bit. Uh, Ray Narleski definitely struggled in multiple appearances. Uh, The Indians, though, offensively just couldn't get anything across. Um, 21 runs for the Giants on 33 hits and seven errors. The Indians, over the course of those games, had nine runs on 26 hits and four errors. Um, Bob Levin was walking a ton of guys. He set a World Series record for bases on balls during a four-game series. And Hank Thompson set a record for the most um, base on balls, most walks for a four-game series. So definitely kind of the on-base game got to them, and the Indians' offense failed them. Uh, It's just unfortunate because, you know, they were such a good team. The pitching staff, though, was already pushing well into its mid to late 30s. They would come back in 55, and if the page would load... I could tell you a bit more. There we go. They would finish second in the American League that year, 93-61. and 61. Uh, Very similar team, obviously, but uh, it was kind of it for the Magic. It was always hard when you are the Cleveland Indians, um, being it where they are in the conference that they are in. The conference? Is that what we want to call it? Being where they were and having to deal with the Yankees. I mean, this was the era where one team made the postseason. Uh the Indians in 55 finished second, three games behind the Yankees, who won 96. The uh, probably the most notable, noticeable uh, occurrence in terms of players that year um, likely would have been Herb Score, who uh, came out. And you, you know, you look at this team, uh, Art Houdeman had been moved to more of a relief role, as had Bob Feller. They were. Uh, Hanneman wasn't that. He was in his mid-20s. Uh, Bob Levin was getting up there. Mike Garcia was starting to regress. But Herb Score came out and was uh, amazing at age 22 and will always be one of those big what-ifs in Indians history. Uh, he would win the Rookie of the Year that year in the American League uh, for the Indians. Their lineup is essentially the same, except for in the offseason they had traded... Um, Sam Jones for what ended up being Ralph Kiner, who did give them an offensive upgrade. Uh, They still had a massive (laughs) deficiency at shortstop, and Strickland went from below average to pitcher level of a hitter. Um, But it was still a good lineup. There were some pieces in place. They went out and tried to get some guys to help them improve as a team, but different era, different time in the 55 Indians. don't get to avenge what happens to the 54 Indians, which was a team that uh, is always going to be on the, the lists of the great almosts, but not. And, you know, they were the 54 Indians often are not remembered for having the highest winning percentage in modern baseball history, but for being the team that the catch happened against. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. We will be back on Wednesday with another show. We are going to the three-day-a-week format for the time being. Uh, I want to thank everyone who is still listening every day. That is huge for the show right now. Maybe if uh, numbers 
push up. We'll uh, we'll go to four days a week or something like that. I'll try to find a way to make it worth it to you. Let me know what you want on the show. Uh, feedback is really taking a drop right now, which I understand because of what is going on in the world, but that feedback helps drive this show. I want to remind everyone to tell your smart devices to play Locked On Indians, play the Locked On uh, MLB podcast, or the Locked On Fantasy podcast. All of those things are part of our fantastic network. You, as always, are fantastic. I am Jeff Ellis. And as always, go Tribe!